Um, there may well still be a little bit of delay no matter what. All right. Um, okay, we're going live. We are going live. This is serious. This is super serious. We are live. All right, everybody. We are live. This is the first time that we're starting off a session with head uh, with headphones. With head We've always had headphones. We haven't always had sunglasses. Welcome to the Data on Kubernetes community. And welcome to a very special session today with a very special person who I've actually talked to for the first time today over, over Zoom. Although I realized when I first heard about this man, I knew that we were going to be friends. Neil White is someone who makes me very welcomed in the tech space because like me, he is also a rapper. He's also an amazing person who has really good taste in, who has really good taste in films and I'm sure lots of other things that we'll agree on. Um, but today is a very special session because I discovered I discovered Neil on, on LinkedIn. And if you go to Neil's LinkedIn, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in here right now um, because he needs to get credit for being a rapper. You know, people see me as like the Kubernetes rapper, but that's simply not true. Neil's rapping about Kubernetes long before I was. Um, so all of you need to check out his LinkedIn profile. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter, but definitely check this out. And you will see that he has a Kubernetes rap in there that is based on Eminem's Lose Yourself which I found to be quite impressive and gave me an extra incentive to be like, will this man please be my friend? So like I said, we got in touch a, a while back um, and now we're happy to have him uh, with us today to be talking about Ahoy. Before we get into that though, just a couple of housekeeping things. Also talking to Neil about this. Hope that we're able to get Neil in our co-located event in KubeCon. All right, that'll be on October 12th. It'll be 100% virtual. It'll be 100% free. Um, so we are, are looking for speakers, speakers who can talk about data on Kubernetes, stateful workloads, databases, operators, all that good stuff with an end user perspective. We want to avoid vendor pitches. I'm going to leave that CFP in there. Hope to get a, a CFP from Neil. Some other folks out there, feel free to get involved. As usual, if you're not subscribed, subscribe now. Super easy. Just click that button. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on LinkedIn. Neil, it is very nice to have you here today. I also have to admit that your sunglasses are kicking my sunglasses ass. I will say that my sunglasses belong to my wife, so you cannot insult them. Um, but apart from being a person who has really cool sunglasses, Neil, who are you? Well, geez, Bart, that's probably the best intro I've ever had in my life. And I've been married, so that's saying something. But yeah, so maybe, I don't know how to start. Like I was kind of uh, embarrassed when you, you kind of found my rhyme. And then when I saw the video you made, I kind of crawled under the bed. But then everybody I spoke to actually said it was amazing. So thank you very much for that. But who am I? I'm, I'm a, a normal IT guy like the rest of us. I am from South Africa and I got into the open source space probably about uh, 20 years ago when there was no such thing as um, like Kubernetes and containers and virtual machines. There was a Linux CD that you had to order um, from a magazine that they shipped in. And I think it was Red Hat 7, if that even exists anymore. And a friend of mine gave it to me, said, this is something cool, play around with it. I stuck it in my computer. It destroyed everything. Didn't know how it worked. This was the days, days before the internet. I had to figure things out. And kind of from there, I kind of got bit by the bug and I've just been playing in this open source world. That ultimately led me to get a job at a company called LSD, where all we do all day long is open source tech. We kind of play in that fringe space of, we take all the latest and greatest uh, open source, um, say projects and applications, and then we become experts on them. And then we kind of productionize them. And then we go to big places like banks and insurance companies and say, you too can be cool. And this is how you do it. And this is how we make money. And what we're doing at the moment these days is mostly things in uh, the CNCF, uh, focusing on containers and cloud web applications. And this is how we met. We were. We started playing around in the space about five or six years ago, and we saw a gap in the market, and we decided to create an application we called Ahoy, which is a release management for Kubernetes, which I hope to show off to you guys. Yeah. And that is who I am. That's a really good summary, and I really like that. I think what's really cool, too, is that for the folks that don't know LSD, uh, it's a super cool company, and I really mean that. And you know, we've done, this is, this is our live stream number 75, so we've interacted with all different kinds of companies. For me, LSD is a big breath of fresh air because it's honest and it's genuine and it doesn't try, it's like, you know, maybe this isn't for everybody, but it's very clear what the company's about. And like you said as well too, is that really embracing the spirit of like, we're gonna get out there and we're gonna mess around with the coolest open source stuff. And then we're gonna find ways that how that can add value to different companies. Um, I think that's really cool. So if you, haven't, if you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. You've also got something that's recently released called LSD Trip. Do you care to comment on that? Yeah, thanks very much. So one of the things we found doing this um, container journey is that people start going through the same pains all, all over the show. So what happened to us is 
When we first started doing this again about six years ago, we figured out people just wanted to understand Kubernetes and containers and kind of wrangle that. Then afterwards they said, you know, actually we need some kind of monitoring and observability. And then after that they go, oh, we need some kind of security. And then after that they go, we also need a solution for data and streaming. And then after that they go, you know what, we need like a service mesh. And we kind of, after we went to like the 10th client, they go, you know what we kind of need? We're like observability, like how did you know? Because the nine other guys before you asked the exact same thing. And we kept going through these iterations of, we're like, well, we know what to do and we know how to do it because guess what? We've done it 10 times already. So instead of us kind of pitching the same story uh, in different ways to different people, we kept saying, well, why don't we keep the same story the same? And this is what, came, this is what we came up with, the LSD trip. And what the, what the LSD trip is, is a journey for people to go into the cloud native space in a kind of step-by-step -step process so that they're not overwhelmed by this absolute plethora of information out there with guys like us who have done it before. So we can tell the guys, step one is putting containers, play around with Kubernetes. This gives you the ability to start going into this microservices world, start becoming cloud native and taking the advantages of things like Kubernetes. That was written by Google and it's got a lot of engineering built into it. Once you've got that, we can then automatically add observability, add security, add data, add these things in a very controlled fashion. You guys don't have to go through the pain of learning it yourselves. You can rather use us who this is what we do. And one of the things we tell companies, they come along and they say, we're gonna hire a DevOps guy to create a platform. Then we're gonna hire an observability guy to create our observability. Then we're gonna hire a security guy. And we normally say, so you're in the business of hiring security people, hiring platform people, hiring data people, or in the business of uh, expand, like expanding your business. Like, oh yes, actually what we want to do is write and develop for our business. And we say, yes, don't worry about the platform. We worry about the platform. LSD is in the business of worrying about platforms, security, observability. So you go ahead and do your thing and you don't have to worry about it because that's what we worry about. And the advantage we have is we do this with such a wide range of people from banks to insurance to telcos that when they come along and they go, you know, we've got this unique requirement, right? It's not unique. That guy had it six months ago. And guess what? We fixed it already. So we give the guys the benefit of the experience we have so that they don't have to go through the pain and the weight. Wow. This is good because like you said, a lot of this, we can talk about a technological change. It's also a cultural change factor and that's tough. And, and like you said as well too, is that being so close to organizations that are dealing with this stuff and being able to say, all right, we're gonna create a rollout plan for you so that this isn't so overwhelming. And that's one of the biggest things actually too, is that uh, when looking at for a lot of companies, they're why they're hesitant or reluctant to get into Kubernetes, sometimes it's because of a, you could say it's because of a, a financial thing, but actually what they say it really comes down to is a people thing. So for organizations like LSD that can come in and say, not only this is how you're going to organize your technology, but this is how you know the people component that's going to come in there as well too. I think it's extremely valuable. Um, that being said, we're already getting some great comments in, in the chat, one of which says that Neil enjoys Microsoft SharePoint. I'm not surprised. I could, I could get that SharePoint vibe. Yes, I, <clears throat> I love SharePoint. It's great. Um, Speaking of sharing some points, would you feel like sharing some points about Ahoy with us? I would love to share some points. So that was an excellent segue. So is it okay yeah. if I share my screen and then go through you a quick presentation of what it is? Go through that. Go through that just for folks out there regarding questions. Neil is a psychic, so he will probably be answering your questions after you ask them. But feel free to put them in the chat anyway, and then we can get them at the, uh, to the, at the end. I've also made a commitment, Neil, that if you don't take off your sunglasses, I'm not taking off mine. <laughs> deal let's see how long we can do this challenge accepted good cool guys so thanks very much for the time i'm gonna uh like i said i'm a technical guy so i'm not gonna bore you um to death by powerpoint or sharepoint uh, what i'm gonna do is just quickly go over what ahoy is on a very very high level why we kind of done it and then jump into the demo because i feel like the demo should speak for um should speak for itself and uh yeah i'm a technology guy so i want to get into that so cool so the LSD trip presents an LSD production. Ahoy, a Kubernetes release management tool. So why did we go and actually create Ahoy? One of the things we found in, in the microservices world is it's actually pretty complicated. 
when you go into an application, let's say, for example, Netflix, it isn't a single application that runs Netflix. It's a lot of tiny microservices that run Netflix. And what happens is you've got this problem of what is Netflix version 1.0? It's not just a single container. It's typically uh, many containers and many different versions. And what we found was people actually struggled with this idea of what is a release. So, for example, you could have an application made up of 10 microservices, um, a PDF generator, a, an emailer, a scheduler, a load generator, and they've all got different versions. And these different versions are typically created by different teams. So they'll come along and they'll get a requirement to say, oh, add this feature in, but just to this microservice. Now, when does Netflix 1.0 become Netflix 1.1? When one microservice version changes, when two, who decides that? And then when you move that up the stack from dev to test to UAT to production, we've also saw that there's this disconnect because the guys will say, well, dev doesn't have the same image version. They've also got a, a couple of environment variable changes. And then test has got a, a couple of more different ones. And then in production, they're like, oh, but you use a different database. And what we found is it was very difficult to actually match these things because there's so many moving parts. So this is one of the, the things that we found with um, deployment is that they are different. And one of the things we, we tried to do with Ahoy is we wanted to make, make sure that deployments are 100% the same from environment to environment. And what this means is your devs can go and go crazy in their dev environment, building it up and changing versions on different um, applications all the time. And at what, any point in time, you can use Ahoy and say, right, we think version 1.1 is this, and almost like a snapshot, and then promote that up your development chain. So then you can say, 1.1 promotes to test, and you can be sure that 1.1 in dev and 1.1 in test are 100% the same. And this gives the people this reliability of, is there anything different? Ahoy tries to tackle that by saying, there is no differences, and it ensures that through um, GitOps and Helm charts and a couple of other fancy tools we're gonna get into. The other kind of business value of this is that Ahoy is very easy to use. There's no training required, and you'll see that this is a front end it can be used by anybody. So you don't need to be a Kubernetes sysadmin with a CKA and a CKD to use it. You literally need, need to be someone who can type in a username and a password, or even with a single sign-on, just click on Google and then select the version. So this is used for maybe a release manager that doesn't have the deep technical knowledge, but just knows that these are the versions he wants to promote up the environment chain. It's also standard. So the nice part about Ahoy is everything we build is built in Helm. So when we actually use Ahoy in the backend, it actually self-creates these Helm charts for you. So you don't have to go through the difficulty of now you've got your application, just quickly Helm this thing. Oh, and by the way, Helm it 10 times for all 10 applications you have. Ahoy does this automatically for you. It also has GitOps out the box. So you don't have to worry about installing things like Flux or Oregon CD. Ahoy automatically configures and creates this for you. And we'll demonstrate that if I remember throughout the demo um, of how GitOps can actually ensure that what is in your environment is what is declared in your source code. And it's completely open source. If you haven't picked it up now, um, LSD is a completely open source company. Everything we touch and play with is open source and we believe in open source. And I don't wanna get into the wonderful reasons that open source is wonderful, but we get the benefits of collaboration, we get the benefits of it being cost-free, and we get the benefits of just getting the community behind it. And these are like the business values and why we created Ahoy. But what is Ahoy? So here is a, a quick breakdown of actually the, the technical components. So this is typically someone like a release manager that will use Ahoy. And Ahoy ties into Keyclip for authentication. So we haven't put in, we haven't written the intelligence into that. We've actually passed that over to a program that does authentication authorization very well. Keycloak, another open source project. Ahoy stores all its configuration in a Postgres database. And then it uses Bitnami sealed secrets to save sensitive data in source code in an encrypted way. This uh, is useful so that when you do store all your stuff in Git, you can be assured that none of your secrets are actually plain text and people can decode. Ahoy then writes all this configuration into Git and then automatically configures Argo to talk to Git and then Argo deploys to Kubernetes clusters. 
So you can look at it like this. We have our release management layer, which is Ahoy. We have our source code layer, which is Git. Our GitOps layer, which is Oregon. And then our container orchestration layer, which is Kubernetes. And hopefully everybody on here understands Kubernetes. I really don't want to get into explaining that. And this is Ahoy in a nutshell. So cool. We've now spent 15 minutes like doing the intros and getting into um, what Ahoy is. I'm going over this pretty quick because I actually want to spend more time on the demo itself so you guys can actually see it in action. So cool, demo time, not hammer time, sorry. Bart, is that okay? Any, any complaints from the people outside or can I carry on? Uh, yeah, you know, you got, you got some, some interesting mixture of fans and haters. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to, I'll leave this as a surprise for you later. I would say though, is that I, I've never had a session where we've had more than one MC Hammer reference. So now I challenge you to, to refer to him again. <laughs> no problem. I'll see what I can do. Right. So what we've got over here to quickly break it down. So like I mentioned earlier, Ahoy is a, a web-based um, application. So you interface with it completely um, from uh, a front end like this. And over here, here is our Kubernetes cluster. So I hope uh, my font is big enough over here. We are running this cluster in GKE. It has got six nodes. And we've got a whole bunch of pods running into this. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get into this later, but I just wanted to show you that this is a live demo. This isn't a recording and it is real. Also, these are preemptive, preemptive nodes, which means at any point in time, Google can delete these. And knowing my luck, they'll probably delete these in about five minutes time. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hop between this guy and this guy, just so that you guys have an, an idea of how Ahoy actually works with Kubernetes. And you can see we've got a bunch of pods running on there and I'm gonna get into the details of how they all work short, shortly. So like I said, Ahoy ties into Keyclip. We can log into um, Ahoy over here by clicking on Google. We tie, we've tied that into Google authentication and local auth. This is a demonstration for the guys out there that if you do have AD or Facebook or GitHub, you can use those as authentication providers to log into Ahoy. And here we have our dashboard of Ahoy. There's quite a lot going on here at the moment and I'm gonna get through each one, but let me kind of break it down to how we define um, a release. So in terms of what um, LSD or Ahoy defines a release, a release is a collection of applications um, that you want to promote through your environments. So right now over here, if we go to our, um, or if we look at it over here, we've got a release called Nearly School, Medical Aid Contribute, uh, Online Boutique, and then we have a bunch of environments, Dev, Test, UAT, Staging, Production. This is kind of the stock standard environment setup you have in most companies. This is totally freeform. You can make as many as you want and you can call it whatever you want. You don't have to call it dev, you can call it devil or you can call it MC Hammer, whatever you want. But this is just for easy things for people to understand and hopefully everybody gets this. Now, what happens with Ahoy is it takes an application and then builds the release. So what I'm going to do is go through a demonstration of how a person would use Ahoy. So right now we have configured Ahoy with three things. We've configured it to talk to a Kubernetes cluster. We're just using the in cluster. So we're using the, the GKE cluster that Ahoy is running on. We've also configured it to tie into GitHub and we've configured it to tie into Oregon. It's done those things automatically and those details can be found uh, under settings. But once those details have been tied in, what we have here is a collection of applications and applications are essentially in our case, container images or Docker images. So what could happen over here is this is typically where the developers come in. The developers will build their microservices and they will push it somewhere with a tag. And once they kind of do that, this in traditional senses, they normally hand this over to the ops team. They go, there is my container. Please go do something with it. Go get it into the Kubernetes. I don't know how you get it into the Kubernetes. You do the thing and it somehow pops up into Kubernetes. And then the DevOps guys and the Kubernetes guys then go and create deployment configs or replication sets or stateful sets and get it up and running. And what will then happen is the developer will say, well, now I've changed the version. Can you please change this and please change that? One of the things that Ahoy tries to do is trying to make that simpler for people. And all that we do over here is we simply say, 
you can go and define your application. So for example, what we have over here is the Google online boutique store that Google uses as a microservice demo for when they build applications. So if I click on one of these applications over here and I pray to God it loads up, or let's go back and click on it again. Or did my node just get deleted? Was I right on the five minutes? Yep, <laughs> my node just got deleted. It, <laughs> it, was probably MC, it was probably MC Hammer. He's not used to being mentioned so often. He's, he's got power, man. Like he, he can pick up when he's being mocked. So if we wait a couple of seconds, we should see this guy revive. And this is actually the nice part about Kubernetes. If I actually go over here, and scroll up. Here is Ahoy. And of course, the things have gone into pending now. <laughs> Let me quickly try scale some things down here. Or maybe it will come back shortly. Uh, I can see things are starting up again. So let's give it one more second to wake up. I said five minutes, I was kind of on the money. So yeah, Postgres and uh, the two Postgreses have gone down. Wonderful. Let's try and stop uh, this guy over here. Uh, LSD automate. Just wanna make sure I'm on the right cluster here. That should free up some resources shortly. Yep, this happened two minutes ago, so right on the money. Let's wait for these guys to disappear. Okay, there it's gone. That should free up some resources. These guys should start up. Wonderful. Just to see if anything else is running here that we can whack so we can just get some more resources back. Nope, I think we're cool over here. These containers take about a minute to start up. So I will try and what can I tell you that's interesting? Well, while we wait, um, Bart, are there any questions that I can maybe answer in the meantime? Yeah. Or is it? We're getting some very interesting, uh, some very interesting comments about uh, whether or not you're wearing parachute pants, like MC Hammer. Um, uh, another comment about can't touch this node. So I imagine uh, that yeah, we will definitely be featuring that in our post, in our post live stream uh, rap video. We'll definitely be getting some MC Hammer references in there. No, but mostly just uh, support. And I think it was a very good example that although you had the problem with the node, bounce it right back and good to go. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm not wearing any pants, but we're not gonna get into that. Thank God for the webcam, stops over here. Okay, great, so let's see if this guy is back up and running, cool. Now we can actually talk to a dashboard and there we can actually see, we've got some things that are dead at the moment and this guy will self-heal shortly. But let's go back into application, now that we can actually talk to our database. So what I was talking about is an application is essentially, we're going to this guy over here. It is essentially a, is, it is a, sorry, it's essentially a Docker image with a tag. So for example, if I go into application and I say new application, and I'm gonna say MC Hammer, I'm gonna say this is version 1.0, and I'm gonna say it comes from Docker Hub and that is where you can find it. So for the guys, they should be familiar with this. There it is. It's a Spring Boot um, application from the LSD trip and it's that version and I'm gonna say, save and there we have mc hammer running over there and what we can now do is we can go along and we can update this from over here so we can say right mc, ha MC hammer there is a new version this is version 1.2 and it actually uses this tag over here let's say uh, 1.2 and you can go save and when we go back over here so when we go back over here, you can see there's a whole bunch of environment variables you can set over here. And this is something that a developer will typically know. They will say, oh, this runs on port 8080. 
There are some health checkpoints. Here are some environment variables. And you can save all these things. So what will happen is whenever this guy gets deployed, he will keep this environment variables with him. So and this is typically something that a developer will know. A developer will know, these are the secrets I need. These are the volumes I need. These are the configuration of files I need. And he will define this. And I'm not going to get too much into this, but that's essentially what we define as an application. It is a container with all its configuration set. And you can create as many versions as you want. As you saw as well, these versions are freeform. It doesn't have to be 1.2. It can be 1.2 release code, whatever you guys want. And we've got a whole bunch of applications running over here. What we then do with this is we then go and create a release of this application. So for example, I'm gonna go over here. Um, sorry, I'm actually gonna, yeah, so releases. And I'm gonna say, I want a new release. And I'm gonna call it DOK is okay. And I am on version 1.0. And I'm gonna say save. What this release does for us now is, is right. You've got a release here called DKOs okay, and it's on version 1. That's what we've created. And we're going to go into it and we're going to say, let's add some applications to it. So I'm going to say, right, this application is this guy over here and this version over there. Please add. I want this one. I also know that it needs MC Hammer. Let's add in two. And we want version 1.2. And you would add all the details that you want to over here for this release. I'm just going to do these two for now just to demonstrate how it works. And I'm gonna say um, deploy. Now, before I click on deploy, just to confirm what this guy is going to do, because this application is called DOK is okay, and I'm putting it in the dev environment, it's gonna create us a namespace called DOK is okay dash dev. Just to confirm, I'm not lying, get ns, rep DOK. There is no such namespace. And once I click on, deploy, he's going to say, would you like to deploy this? And this code over here gets saved to GitHub so that we have now accountability and we've got auditability. So I can say, yes, please. You can type in whatever you want. Once we go back to Ahoy over here and our dashboard, what we should see shortly is we can see this guy going over here. He goes, right, I am now committing this to Git. I'm now telling Argo CD to go and apply this. So this is where our GitOps comes in. Argo CD will actually go and apply these changes and create all uh, this release for us. It will create it in the dev environment. It will create it with those two applications and we should see it pop up unless Argo CD also died during, during the death of those pods, which I think it did. So what I'm gonna quickly do, the demo guards are strong today. I'm gonna quickly just delete uh, the Argo parts. I, I think during this whole setup, they got a bit out of whack. So I'm just gonna delete all applications over there. And while we wait, these are the things, this is the actual makeup of Ahoy. We're using Argo for our GitOps. We're using Keycloak for our authentication. There is a bit Nami sealed secrets. There is Ahoy, the application that LSD wrote. And there is the Postgres session for Ahoy. Let's see how it's coming along. This guy will take about uh, another a minute to start up, but I have seen this before. When these nodes go down, we don't actually have, um, we, we haven't set up um, the, the liveness probes and the, the readiness probes in Argo too accurately. So they just kind of go with the flow. But hopefully once we've restarted these guys, Argo will kick in and will start reactivating everything here shortly. Just to make sure about my NS, he should come through shortly once these guys are up. And I think this guy will start up. These guys are not required for this guy to start up. So I think we might be good once this guy's ready. Let's just do, uh, um, well, let's just wait for this guy to become ready. Then we'll do a hard refresh. Okay, he does need these guys to be ready. Come on, dude, don't let me down. 
Let's just speed things up over here. How long did it take last time? I think it took a couple of seconds. Right, let's see if this guy's ready. Um, so this is actually the, this, this is the Argo server side. So it looks like everything's fine. So when, once Ahoy comes back up, it will actually be fine. Let's see the correct DOK here. Maybe it's on the next page. No, I think Argo still needs to sync its stuff to it. Are we good? Ahoy, there we go. Let's refresh one more time. Right, let's try that again. So we're gonna say deploy, please. Yes, please, let's try this again. There he starts interfacing with Argo CD. Again, you don't have to do anything about this. So for the guys that are might be judging me is that I haven't changed anything. I've just deleted some pods. And again, for the Kubernetes guys, we delete pods on a daily basis. That's completely normal. Maybe he's writing it to Git, and then Argo's picking it up. Right, let's try it one more time. Let's make a, another change over here. I think if we add another, let's um, update this version over here, we're gonna say upgrade to version 1.1. We're just making a new version of this. And we're gonna say add a new application. Let's say the calculator. And let's try deploy version 1.1. And maybe that will shake it up. If that doesn't work, I'm going to try one of these other guys or maybe make a new one very quickly. Just to make, just to make sure another node hasn't gone down. Nope. Eight minutes ago. Why? Google, you timed that wonderful. Okay, no, I think that release is broken. So let's quickly make a new release. ODOK is great. Let's try that. Maybe that will shake it up a bit. Let's add some applications. I'm just gonna add one application for now just to speed things up here and deploy. If this works, then we know that um, some of the gods out there like prefer great over okay. Come on. No other weirdness is going on? No, I think we're fine. Okay, there, there's something funny with that then. So what I'm rather gonna do then, I'm gonna show you an application that actually has been deployed. And this is the online boutique application over here. This online boutique application, as you can see, is made up of a number of applications. And again, for the guys that have played in the Kubernetes microservices space, this is the default application that Google actually recommends or that is on the, the Google GitHub page that they say, this is what you can use to actually test uh, your microservices. It's made up of a whole bunch of uh, pods over here. And to demonstrate that it's working, I'm gonna click on this link over here and he will open up a page. Let's make this not secure. Not secure, please. Chrome trying to be my friend. Oh my goodness. One more time. Again, Chrome trying to protect me from myself. There we have the boutique application over here. This application is made up of all these releases over here. 
And what we can see over here is he's running on version 2.3. And if we go to our dashboard over here, we can see there he's running on version 2.3, uh, but he's not deployed into test. And just to confirm that, if I go over here and I say, show me all the pods, and I look at Online Boutique, we can see Online Boutique is running in dev and in staging, but it's not running in test. Now, for example, and this is the whole idea behind Ahoy, the guys in test come along and say, right, we want a copy of the Online Boutique to start testing. We can click over here, there's Online Boutique, and we can say, please deploy version 2.3 and deploy. Deploy online version 2.3 to test in this cluster. Yes, please. Hopefully this works. It's taking its time. I think if this doesn't work, I'm going to log out and log in. Maybe it's my cache that's actually not actually making any changes yet. Wait, let me just try this. Because that isn't normal. Let's try this one more time. Come on, guys, don't let me down. Ah, okay. Wonderful cache, cool. So sorry, I should have done that. I should have actually logged out and logged back in. Now that we did deploy, so I'm gonna reverse everything. So we're back to the beginning over here. DOK is great, we deployed one app. We can see it tells us zero of one is ready, which means it's been applied, or the, uh, the source code has been written. Argo has applied it, and now if I go back over here and I say, show me namespaces with DOK, there is DOK. DOK is great. And we can go back over here and say, is DOK okay? We can say, yes, please deploy this guy as well. And while this guy deploys over here, you can see he's got three applications running over here. What will happen is he will go and say, once he, wait, we said DOK is okay, you will see it will say zero of three, and it will actually interface with Argo to say, how are these applications deployed? How are they doing? And just to show you that I'm not lying again, here I'm gonna say, we're gonna look for these pods. There is great. Okay, now that guy's totally broken. You are not okay. Great definitely works. Cool, what I was talking about over here, then let's go and deploy, let's go um, deploy the online boutique into test. So we go over here and we say deploy. And what this guy should do now is deploy all these guys, please. There we go. It says cool, 2.3 has been deployed. If we shoot over here, you can see it tells us zero of 11 applications are running. If we look at our pods over here again, we can now see that we have dev and staging, still no test, or there's test starting up. And you can see the containers are now starting up. You didn't have to worry about anything. You didn't have to care about anything. This is literally taken care of by Argo CD, which is our GitOps part. The nice part about Argo CD for the guys that don't know is if you make any changes to the cluster over here, Argo CD will automatically go and reinforce it. And you can see there they go, and there will some more errors, some will keep container creating, but Argo CD will keep trying to enforce what is declared in source code to make sure this guy's running. And there we go, and you can see, hey, online boutique is running. Now, if we go into online boutique and test over here, remember this is test. If we look at our URL for Online Boutique over here, we were talking about dev. I can now change this to something else. Remember, test is a different environment. So I can say, actually, our front end over here, please change the environment variable for this guy. Oh, and make him test. So now, if I go to test over here, and I hit that, Google, you're killing me here, man. 
must maybe somehow figure out how I can disable this guy. And go into test. There is test up and running. And just to demonstrate, test, dev. They are identical because thanks to Ahoy, we've literally said just promote him to that next environment. And you can see over here, we're now running our online boutique in our dev environment, in our test environment. We're not running it in UAT. We are running it in staging and we are not running it in production. So this gives you the ability to move things around. The last place we want to put it now is in, in production. But before we get into that, these guys we've already promoted. What I want to show you now is, and just a quick recap, what we've shown you is how we can create a release by clicking on release, selecting the applications, configuring them, and then saying, this forms this release. And then we can promote this to other environments. So for example, over here, DOK is great. I'm gonna say, right, I am happy with this. I want to promote this to an environment. So I can say, please promote. Because right, where do you want to promote this to? And I'm going to say, please promote it to test. And I can say, okay. You can now see that he's automatically said, okay, the release, um, oh, the, the release uh, DOK is great. It's also part of, it's part of dev and in test. And you can see we've got this little orange icon over here to simulate that he's here on version one, but there's nothing's been deployed. I can either go to our dashboard just now, where I click on deploy what I did earlier, or I can just go over here and say, please deploy. Again, that thing comes up to say, what would you like to um, say over here? Good. Can type this. And confirm. He will now be deployed to our test environment. The other thing to uh, realize over here is we do have a single Kubernetes cluster in our demo over here, but it doesn't mean that all your environments have to be on one Kubernetes cluster. They can be split across different clusters and we can select that over here or over here somewhere. Right now, we only have one cluster. If we go back to our uh, DOK is great, you can see right, DOK is great, it's deployed over there and deployed over there and they're on the exact same version. If we were to look at, for example, LSE support, LSE support over here is on version 1.6. And over here is on version 1.5. And this little indicator over here just tells you, hey, there is an upgrade available if you want to do that. Real quick, just to real quick Neil, we, we do have a question. Um, can, you, can you set like certain rules uh, that it should first go through this environment before it is allowed to go to the next environment? At the moment, no. So that's one of the things we are um, uh, looking at as a feature to say, you have to be promoted through this. Right now, this is pretty free form. So you're actually correct. There's nothing stopping this guy from saying, take dev and put it straight to production. But that is one of the features we are working on to say, there's almost like this gate. To get to production, you have to go through staging. We've also got a couple of other ideas, which I'll speak of at the end of the demonstration, just about some things we have on the roadmap. All right, perfect, thanks. Cool. And quickly to demonstrate the, the, the differences over here. So while these guys are now testing on version 1.0, remember the devs are going bonkers over there. They're like, actually, you know what we need? We need more things. We're gonna also add a exporter and we're gonna add this version. And we're gonna add, we think, what else have we got here? We're gonna add a customer survey. And the devs can go nuts over here and they say, right, this is what we want. We want to upgrade this to, 1.1, upgrade, and we can then say, please, um, sorry, please deploy, uh, deploy, deploy version 1.1. Now what will happen is, one, oh, sorry, I messed up over there. I, <laughs> let me do that again. I actually added this to version one. Let me add it, sorry, let me just do that again, my bad. So. I want to upgrade to version 1.5 now. Let's not mess this up, okay. And on version 1.5, I'm gonna say, okay, I don't want the customer survey. But I do want MC Hammer back, yeah, MC Hammer, all that what? And version 1.2. And that's version 1.5. Now I'm going to say, please deploy version 1.5 rather. 
1.5 into dev and cluster one. Yes, please. Notice how I can make these changes quite frequently because again, Argo is taking care of it. Now that this guy's on version 1.1 uh, over here, actually, 1.5 deployed, there we go. Version uh, 1.5 is being deployed, two or three pods already. You can see over here, it says, you are still on version 1.1. 1.5 is still available and only, only uh, one of your applications is still running. Oh, maybe 1.1 or 1.0 has got a problem. And we can also see over here, 1.5 has got a problem. And what we can then do, we can say, oh, actually, wait a second. There's a problem here. Please roll back. And you can say, roll back, please. And it says, do you, are you sure you want to take this guy back to that version? Yes, I'm sure. And you can roll him back to the previous version and then he will undo the things. And this is the power of Helm. Because we've already created the Helm chart, in the back end, we're literally just telling Argo, don't use that release, use this release of this version. And it will automatically roll us back to the version that was working. At least I think it was working. What I'm trying to demonstrate over here is the person who's, who's controlling Argo doesn't need to understand Helm, doesn't need to understand Argo, doesn't need to understand all these things. With the click of a button, they can actually select their release and they can push it forward. We can say, all right, cool, 1.1 is working, great. You, 1.0 is broken, please go to version 1.1 and we can say, version 1.1, please deploy. Now he will deploy version 1.1 into this guy. And while we do this, we can go and create multiple applications at the same time and deploy them around. I'm not gonna rehash everything that I've done over here because hopefully that, that gets the point across. But what I wanted to demonstrate is, again, the point of this tool is to take these applications, put them into a release and promote them. The one thing I wanted to show you over here, so for example, with the online boutique is we have defined environment variables per application, but you can overwrite that in an environment. So for example, if we look over here, we can see this environment variable over here is highlighted green to say, this is specific to this environment. And if I go over here, we can see for this environment, we say the online boutique cluster URL is staging. We can also change that to something else. So if we go back over here and I say, well, maybe for this environment, the email service is something else. So I can say, well, what is the email service? I can say, well, maybe your environment variables is SMTP is google.com for example, add and save. He will then have this specific environment just for staging. Maybe in dev, you've got a, another SMTP server. And because we've made this change, this guy will automatically roll out this change to apply for this environment. This takes care of that, uh, that, that scenario where in production, you might talk to a production database or an API, um, a production API or you need to store things in a secret vault somewhere in production where data can be a lot more free flow. So again, this demonstrates how you can have environment variables specifically for an environment while still having the benefits of upgrading these guys on an application level. Cool, any questions that we have on that before I kind of wrap it up? Um, seems like Seems like people are following quite quite well and yeah, keep going. Wonderful. The last thing we can also do is we can undeploy. So for example, I actually decide this online boutique app wasn't a great idea. I can go and I can say, look, please undeploy. Are you sure you want to undeploy? Like, yep. And what this guy will do is again, using Argo, we'll just go and remove all these resources. So if we go back over here and we see all these guys running, I'm going to remove all the online boutiques and we should see them disappear as this guy takes action. So online boutiques, sorry, you didn't pass the test. Undeploy, please. Oops. And the last one we had was in dev, also under please. 
And when the watch is done deploy, we should see all these parts start terminating. Again, the guys didn't have to know about, oh, I need to scale down pods. I need to um, mess with secrets. I need to do all these things. And if you do, and if you do this by accident, the guy goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. You, we actually really want online boutique. You're like, fine, please put it back. Online boutique, just deploy, yes. And again, Argo will kick in and automatically start putting him back. So once these guys are finished terminating, they're just gonna go, okay, well, put him back. The other thing I want to demonstrate to you for the guys that don't know Argo is the nice part about Argo is it will put things back. So for example, over here, if I look at DOK is great. So uh, K get cards in DOK is great dash, what was this? Test, sorry, test. Here we have a whole bunch of pods. Now let's say someone doesn't like me, they go actually, Stuff you DOK is great. I'm going to say delete deployments, deploy deployments all in this guy. He goes, ha ha, I beat you. All the pods start terminating. And what will happen is we'll pick this up to go, wait a second, what's on the cluster isn't what's declared in source code, put it back. And boom. We have defeated the evil sysadmin that wanted to ruin your job. This is the nice part about GitOps. If someone goes and makes a change over there, even though they have the best intentions, it will get overwritten because we are taking what is declared in source code and applying that. And just to demonstrate where we're writing that, we're currently writing this to GitHub over here in this project over here, Ahoy Demo. And if we go into in cluster, we can see there was, um, there was a change a minute ago, dev, and where was it? Um, where can I see? History, sorry, history. Here we can see deployed, deployed, and I wrote MC Hammer somewhere, or can't touch this. There we go, can't type this, I remember that. And then you've got an order trail of everything that was done. Again, all in source code, all stored in a central place so that if someone does go and break something, you can see when it happened and the reason it happened. And again, you guys didn't need to understand Argo CD. You didn't have to understand uh, Bitnami seal secrets. You didn't have to understand Postgres, Keycloak, any other stuff. This guy does it for you. Cool. I think that's kind of it. And that is a, a quick snapshot of, um, of Ahoy. For the guys that don't know, Ahoy can be found at github.com forward slash LSD open. There it is, Ahoy. It's all open source. This is kind of our first uh, release candidate. We do have a couple of things um, that we're still working on. So to quickly shoot back to the demo, I've only got a couple of minutes. That's why I'm just shooting past this. Oh, no, yeah, you're good. you're good. You're good. You're good. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> back to presentation mode. We do have a new look on the way. So our developers, you know, slap together um, what you see at the moment now very quickly because you wanted a function of a form. Now we're actually looking, uh, we're fixing the skin. So in a couple of um, days to weeks time, we're gonna have a new look going on, which makes it look all sleek and pretty. And on the roadmap for Ahoy, we've got a, a couple of interesting features. We're gonna have role-based access control where we say only the devs can play in a dev environment, only a release manager can promote from test to production. So maybe answering that earlier question, we might not have gates to say, you can't promote from dev to prod, but we are gonna have a person to say, only this person can actually promote out of dev or promote to production. Again, one of the features we're working on. One thing with that really quickly with uh, seeing our back, cause that's something we've seen, uh, I think we've seen that more and more in, in live streams. Do you feel that this is necessary in order for Kubernetes to become a little bit less like the Wild West? Um, you know, something we hear about, you know, whether it's guardrails or, you know, policy engines or things, things like that. Is this something that you think we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the, in the near future? Absolutely. So one of the things we do a lot as LSD is we actually put these Kubernetes environments into productionized environments. And when you get into a productionized environment, you don't want people just going crazy. You don't want someone just um, adding LSD Automate to a live demo 
while you're trying to actually impress the world. These guardrails will make sure that things are in place so that you can't actually break it. So yes, we are seeing that a lot more. We're seeing that with um, things like OPA, Open Policy yep. Agent. Yep. We're seeing that with RBAC. We're seeing that everywhere. So this is becoming stock standard. Gone are the days where I could just have fun. Now you're going to have to ask permission first. Exactly. All right, cool. Keep going. Cool. The other thing we're kind of working on, we, we, we actually want to be able to migrate environments uh, between clusters. So for example, take the, the dev environment that we saw in this cluster and move it to a completely different cluster. Maybe there's not enough resources on this cluster, or maybe we want to free up resources for prod. Or we've also had environments where people say they've run DR, so they've got a cold Kubernetes environment running somewhere, but they want to know when they switch it on, it is identical. So we're working also on a sync um, functionality where you can say this dev environment must also be synced to this environment on a completely different cluster. Might, maybe not fire it up and maybe not like um, scale up all the replicas, but make sure it's 100% in sync. We're also looking at exposing metrics. So for the monitors and observability guys out there, things like Prometheus metrics, we want to be able to expose that so you can see um, releases that got released, things that got promoted, stock standard stuff that you can put into Prometheus and into Grafana and into Elasticsearch, that kind of stuff. The other thing the guys are working on is some monitoring. So what they would like to do is actually tie the monitoring from the cluster into um, Ahoy so that with a click of a button, if the application is cracking, uh, I'm sorry, if your application is crashing, with a click of a button, you can jump to your Elasticsearch if you use that for centralized logging, or you can click on your pod and see metrics in it. So we're trying to make that integration tightly coupled so that again, a release manager can see, oh, maybe it's like being throttled on CPU or maybe it's spitting out error logs so they don't have to jump around. And we're also thinking of integrating this more with a CICD so that from your pipeline, you can actually send an API call to Ahoy to say, kick it off, actually bump up the release automatically. Again, trying to get that whole DevOps mentality um, involved so that our tool will fit in with your CI/CD. You don't have to, as you saw right now, it can be a standalone tool, but we also want to embrace that idea of automation. And then more chart capabilities. So we want to add things like stateful sets. Right now, um, Ahoy is primarily focused on just deployments, but we have been seeing a lot more things like stateful sets for Data. Data is a real thing inside of Kubernetes. We are seeing it more and more and more. I think microservices have blazed the trail so that people are saying, okay, cool. We actually believe this thing works now. Can I put my data on this thing? And data is like the company's child. They want to make sure that this thing is taken care of. And this is one of, and this is one of the many things that we're looking at in terms of the roadmap for Ahoy. And that is Ahoy. Any questions before I sign off and actually take off my sunglasses and not look like a vampire? Yeah, well, uh, maybe you want to just stop sharing your screen because I think I think we're we're probably good to go on that. Uh, and lastly, so how does Ahoy integrate with SharePoint? <laughs> Microsoft SharePoint. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, the the one true. The single source of SharePoint. No, it's all good. Um, obviously, that was that was very complete. You know, we got demos, we got some ins, we got some outs, we got a lot of different things. In in the process of, of, of building this, what has been the biggest challenge for you and your team? Well, for me, my challenge has been working with developers. But for the developers, I feel like their challenge has been, and, and this is always a problem I feel in, in terms of development and Kubernetes, the, the landscape is so rich and there's so many things and so many people doing things. Where do you stop and start? because we can build this thing to take over the world. And we specifically said, no, we want to focus on just release automation. We want to be able to say, this is a tool you use for releasing, because as you get into it, people come along with their problems. Oh, I've got this problem. Can Ahoy solve this? And of course, as a developer and as um, an owner of a business, you're like, we can solve any problems with enough money and enough time. But one of the things I think has been um, a difficult thing is kind of keeping the course and saying, this is exactly what we wanted to do and just trying to understand what is what should we do first. It's always difficult when you've got a plethora of things. And again, we could have chosen Helm, we could have chosen uh, Flux instead of Argo CD. 
we've actually spoiled for choice at the moment now. So building this thing and finding a niche has actually been quite difficult. We believe as LSD, this is a unique offering. We haven't found anything like it. And this is why we built it. So I don't think it has been incredibly difficult. It's actually been a lot of fun, you know, kind of playing with this. But yeah, I think the difficulty is the anxiety of freedom where you can do anything. Yeah, I think, I think, and once again, that's what we we're talking about, you know, whether it's OPA, whether it's, you know, Kiverno, things like that, is what are the necessary things that are going to give developers a successful experience and to sort of negotiate those differences. I think that's, um, I think it's a big, I think it's a, I think it's a really big thing. I mean, like, have you had much experience with developer experience as a, we can call it a genre or a topic? Not myself. So what, what's strange about this is I come from a traditional um, uh, operations role. I'm the guy who goes, here's your Linux server, leave me alone. <laughs> Once I got into this, people would say, well, the application's crashing. I'm like, well, that's not my problem. Well, it's running on your platform. Like, oh, okay, well, let me look into it. Oh, you can't talk to that. Oh, I'm looking, oh your, your heap size isn't big enough. Oh, okay, oh you're using the wrong version of this. Oh, if you pull down this Docker container, it will fix that. Oh, you're using a, 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 an incorrect library. So personally for me, I, I am not a developer, but this is the kind of world we're getting into it with DevOps. Mm -hmm. I personally believe the operation guys are getting closer to the devs to actually understand their problems. Yeah. And the devs are coming closer to the ops to say, oh, we actually care about your problems too. So, and, and, and the nice part about playing with this is, over the last five years, I've started um, committing things to GitHub. <laughs> I've started actually writing Helm charts. I've started getting closer to this. So I actually appreciate all this because it, I, I do think the developer is still a key role in like the future of IT. So yes, I'm, I'm glad I get to do this and I'm glad I get to experience development and I'm probably going to be pursuing it further if I have time. I think that's really cool. And like you said, and, and, and also it goes back to, once again, there are technological challenges, but then the human challenges. We're talking about communication. We're talking about empathy, you know, the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. I'm wearing women's sunglasses. You're wearing men's. It doesn't matter. I'm a West Coast rapper. You're kind of more of an East Coast rapper because you got the Eminem thing. But still, like, I, I really, I think that's, I think that's good. And I think that the more that, and, and that also that developers should be thinking about, you know, folks that are normally traditionally, you know, DevOps, sysadmins, uh, working with servers and things like that, that they can be all sympathizing um, and, and and trying to and trying to take those considerations uh, into account. We are we are almost out of time, but I you know I still got some other questions. What um, what influence has Monty Python had on your career? Well, um, uh, I, I I don't want to say I know a lot about cheese, but if I go into a cheese shop, I can order. Japanese sage derby. I also know when a parrot is alive or dead. And I also know no matter what pain you go through, it's just a flesh wound. Ah, yes. Oh, wow. It's a scratch. Yeah, it's a flesh wound. That's good. Um, okay. Yeah, that's good. But I think, I think also as well is that just the importance of, and, and this thing, it seems to be like a, maybe more of an LSD thing, but you know, that you can, you can work hard, play hard, have fun. You know, you can mix these things. And the more you do so, the more you're transparent and kind of showing who you are as a person. Um, so that's something that I've really liked with the interactions is that I'm having with you and, and, and Charles. And now that we are getting towards the end, you know, I got to share my screen really quickly because while we've been talking, um, and I hope all the, the LSD fans are in here, um, we, while we've been talking, our, one of the most important team members that we have, who is Angel, who is our graphic recorder, has been working on this. So let's see if you, if you can you see my screen? Yeah. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he made that like while we were talking and, uh, and, and it's not normal that I get put into these things. So this is, I feel is particularly honored. And I got to say, Anka always does a very, very good job, but this one is exceptionally cool. So we got the MC hammer kind of thing. We got the rap thing going on. If you look carefully, you can find something with LSD written on it. Um, very subtle, very subtle branding there. Uh, but anyway, it's a nice way to kind of tie everything together. There are a lot of things that we got to. Uh, with, with things that we had seen before in our community, whether we're talking about Argo, where they're talking about CI, CD, but obviously this took us into a, a much further direction. So I encourage everybody out there to, uh, to check out the, the GitHub repo. We also got another question in the audience. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to answer this, 
Neil, is that what is the velocity of a swallow? But then I have to answer that question with a question, African or European? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I don't know that. Um, but I can tell you my favorite color, it's blue. Okay, uh, no more, it's a pity that we didn't get a holy hand grenade in the drawing, we can maybe, we can maybe ask for, uh, for a bit of a remix. But anyway, this was awesome. I expect, I fully expect to receive some kind of a CFP from somebody from LSD. I very much look forward to interacting with, with other folks from, from the company. Uh, I know you, you, you may be hiring, you may not be hiring, but regardless, for anybody who's watching this, check this company out. It's a really, really cool place to work. I hope I'm able to wear sunglasses again in another live stream. I don't know when that will be the case, but I certainly hope it's soon. Uh, Neil, is there anything you'd like to mention before we finish? No, Bartos, thank you very much for our time. And I want to buy that picture. I don't know how much it costs, but I will buy that. Oh, don't worry. We already got it sent to you in Slack. Uh, so yeah, that'll be out, that'll be out very, very soon. Uh, you can have it as your new poster behind, your, uh, behind you. But, uh, but yeah, no, we're definitely, definitely big fans uh, of art. I really like the energy of all the folks uh, that were here um, leaving wonderful comments about SharePoint and MC Hammer and whether or not Neil was wearing pants. Neil, you don't need to show us. We don't need any evidence. We trust you. We fully trust you. Uh, but this is seriously like this is I, I want our other I want more live streams to be like this because I think this is where you you really get a lot of things going. You get a lot of questions going. You get to show technologies in a cool way. Uh, we got to mix in MC Hammer and TOK to the stuff that you're writing. And uh, yeah, so, oh, there, we, we got another request for another MC Hammer reference. Now this is tricky because, you know, we got Can't Touch This, we've got, um, you know, what, what other, you know, uh, Too Legit to Quit. In, in terms of MC Hammer references, you know, there are only so many, I, I had the MC Hammer CD when I was little. So there's a, a great song that he has on there called Crime Story um, that I listened to a lot when I was a kid. Um, but we, you can guarantee that we will have MC Hammer being featured in the uh, post live stream uh, rap video that will be coming out next week. Do you know anything else about MC Hammer other than bankruptcy issues that you would like to share, Neil? <laughs> I would buy his pants if I could find those, without a doubt. And, and he has enough financial problems that he might sell them to you. So there's, there's, <laughs> there is a possibility of that happening. Anyway, I feel bad for the guy. I hope, I hope things are getting better for him. Um, I have a very lovely comment here too regarding whether or not you're wearing pants. Someone saying, would the real Slim Shady please stand up? This is unbelievable, the amount of creativity that's going here. Uh, yeah, anyway, we got lots of great references. I'm sure we could spend the rest of our day talking about this. Neil, I hope that I get to go to South Africa and hang out with you at some point. If not, you're always welcome uh, to visit Spain, uh, the North and Basque Country. Uh, I, think we'll, I think we'll call it a day. So thanks everyone for attending. We've got tons of other live streams coming up this week. We've got another one tomorrow to learn about the Julia programming language. We got another one after that with Kasten to learn about uh, an introduction to Kubster, which is an open source um, storage solution. So anyway, got plenty of things going on. Neil, thanks once again for your time. Look forward to hanging out with you in the future very soon. Bart, thank you so much. You have been amazingly cool. Cool. Your work. I think we can take the glasses off now. One, two, three. Very brave. Oh, I can see again. All right. Neil, you look twice as good without sunglasses with them on. Take care, man. Have a good one.